Yo, what's good, everybody? It's Jet Black Extreme, and we are back at it again with another episode of the Zone Podcast. And with me today, we have a fresh voice on the podcast. My dear friend, we got the rap goddess of destruction, Callie Haikaishin. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Awesome. And today's topic is a personal favorite and Callie's as well. It's dot hack, everybody. We're doing an extreme review on it. And without further ado, let's go ahead and zone in. Now, dot hack, what can I say? It's SAO before SAO since April 2002. And since today's date of recording is April 29th, 2022, it is now 20 years since the franchise been in our hearts. And I have to say, wow. It just brings back a lot of nostalgia for me. But how about you, Kelly? How do you feel about the um, franchise in a short summary? Um, it's kind of where everything started with the entire, um, the whole dot, dot hack series. And I was really interested in it um, with my sister when I was younger, when this came back out in 2002, when I was showing on uh, Toonami. Um, and I was seven years old and I'd already been familiar with anime at that time. And it just kind of, uh, cemented my, um, my interest in kind of like a technological, um, psychological, like drama and everything. And it kind of, uh, just as a, just as a short aside as well, whenever Sword Art Online came on, uh, came along I kind of felt I was getting the nostalgia from dot hack sign. So this has mm. a really, really um, personal part in my heart. It was one of the formulative uh, animes probably when, uh, when I was younger. I feel that I definitely feel that because let me tell you, like between watching the anime when I was young and playing the video games, it was like, I was encapsulated, if you will with everything that's going on. But then again, I was like a fairly impressionable kid. So it's almost like a lot of things that didn't make sense, I like lost over because like in a way it was like I was so warped into what was going on. And that's actually pretty much the intention even to this day. Uh, let me explain. Uh, how it can easily engross you into the story and the mystery is that it involves a lot of dark uh, themes and a lot of philosophical thinking like it's very dialogue heavy to be perfectly honest with you and the thing about it is that it just makes you think about things like it's like when you're escaping reality in these virtual reality games it's like you making a whole different personality and life within this game and you just get so lost into it it's just like it just almost like you're reinventing yourself within the game, but a lot of things that's going on with the game, like with the virus messing things up, and uh, in the anime with Sukasa being unable to log out, that's one of those things where we need to figure out what the hell is going on, like, why can't Sukasa log out, what is up with all the uh, viruses going on within the game series, that sort of thing. So it's like, uh, the mystery kind of kept us going with that. Like, here's the thing. The series features in an alternate history setting where it's like the new millennium, 
it's a technological rise of a new version of the internet um, following a major global computer network disaster in 20, uh, excuse me, I'm kind of going a little too fast for myself, back in 2005, and remember this, a alternative history setting, and there was some mysterious events regarding a widely popular fictional massively multiplayer online role-playing game called the world no i'm kidding it's called the world <laughs> but uh speaking of which we are going to continue the jojo bizarre adventure extreme review with part four sometime soon maybe in may but you know with things going on we just didn't get around to it you know <laughs> life happens <laughs> Uh, but Kelly, I would definitely love to hear what you got to say on the JoJo Bizarre Adventure because I know you're a fan. Because <laughs> are you are you inviting me to be part of that one then? What if I am? Well, yeah, it depends on the day, but yeah, I'd love to be a part of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure part four. Is uh. I feel like we just started watching. Uh, uh, Josuke with the hair. Oh yeah, Josuke with the hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'd, I'd be really interested in joining that one as well whenever it comes up. Yeah, yeah. Like you can also mention part three because I know you have a pet named Silver Cherry yourself. So I was like, just kind of funny how we got that going on to where I have a dog named Star Platinum. <laughs> Oh yeah, my um yeah, my cat just as a in a to let all the the listeners in, um I decided, well, I should say my husband and I decided to name our fluffy black cat that we had around that time when we were getting into Stardust Crusaders. His name is Jean-Pierre Polnareff Hendrix, um which is our last name. Um and he is not really anything like Polnareff at all, but he's still really, really goofy. And Polnareff is probably, probably my favorite, probably my favorite Joe Burrow. Oh, if I had, if Speedwagon oh, my- is definitely up there, but Polnareff is, is my favorite. Right, right. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I was thinking, funny enough, I know somebody else who has a bird named Silver Chariot. That's why I got confused. <laughs> it's all right. But, it's all right. <laughs> it's all good. Like, you just, you know, memory. Blah. But back to Dot Hack. Uh, what can I say about it else? Like, okay. As far as the anime, not going to lie. When you watch the anime, like, honestly, it's like one of those things where once you become an adult, you become more critical of things. And what I immediately noticed revisiting the anime was that, not going to lie, the scenery felt a little kind of bland and all like it, it didn't seem as impressive as I thought it was. But what I did appreciate was that because the story is more dialogue heavy, it at least gave more emphasis to the characters and it had an amazing soundtrack to kind of keep things paced. You know, like it's almost like this uh, cathedral music that goes on that makes things way more epic. <laughs> you know, like um, those final boss moments where it's like you hear a choir singing and things just get so awesome and hyping, <laughs> that sort of thing. 
but yes, uh, not only did I not gonna lie, found the storyline pretty much dialogue heavy, but to be fair, the pacing was kind of slow. It just felt like uh, a whole lot of talking, and then maybe something happened here and there. Um, still talking about the anime, by the way. Uh, something would happen here and there every now and then, and then uh, things get really interesting at the cliffhanger, which means that, oh, things got really interesting, but you have to watch the next episode to find out what happens. And I was like, God fucking damn it. And then once you do find out, it's like lather, rinse, repeat. <sighs> Up until the ending to where the last few episodes of the anime like I said, it's like it had a fairly good payoff, but like I said, it was like it was almost like a slowly paced movie to where it's like you're really trying to get to the ending because everything else is pretty much dialogue and build up to that ending. But that's just how I personally felt about it. But uh, Kelly, how do you feel about the anime? Um, since I was uh, when I was younger, I couldn't. Um, I wasn't really able to appreciate all of the dialogue and everything. Like you said, there's just a lot of dialogue and character development and everything. And um, that's more of what the anime focused on. There wasn't really any action scenes or anything like that. It was all about trying to figure out, um, or I should say mostly helping Sukasa find out, um, why he was trapped in the game. Um, and so I would I would say that my um, my reaction and my feelings are very similar to yours in that way because it is kind of slow pacing and I felt like they probably could have finished it up because the um, the anime follows the usual format of finishing up in twenty six episodes um, without having to go into twenty six episodes they maybe could have done it in half the time in the thirteen instead um, but there was just a lot of story that I felt like the um, that the uh, the writers and everything wanted to convey, and I still think I I still look back onto it with like I said with a lot of nostalgia. But mm-hmm. when I think about the setting and everything about what happened, because you mentioned the computer virus and it talked about um, after the virus had um, infiltrated like a lot of the things on the internet, um, mm-hmm. it, there were awful awful things that happened. It, uh, I think. Um, I think traffic slowed down or completely stopped and like planes shut off. And there were some nuclear missiles in America that were almost launched. And so looking back on it now, it almost kind of gives like a, um, it, it, it it was kind of early for its time, but it let itself know that it was going to be more so about, um, what can happen if we rely so much on technology and I know this is getting a little bit different, probably not where you're wanting to go, but it's just one of the things about thinking about how um, how much we rely on technology. And when we don't have it, everything, uh, almost everything goes to shit because the computer viruses attack it. And then a lot of people are left without money. Their identities are stolen, so on and so forth. Um, but then, like I said, that's just more of the, the more real world applications, the um the intricacies of the plot and everything are really, I would say, are really, really interesting. Like I said, it's still really slow pacing and everything, and the cliffhangers that would show up at the end of the episodes, and you're just waiting. And, of course, back then, we had to wait a whole week because not all series were released all at one time. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's like, I got to hang on to this for a whole damn week. So um, when things were finally resolved more towards the end, things made a lot more sense, but there's like a lot of like mystery and everything. That's what made it so cool. But I, like I said, I wasn't able to fully appreciate it when I was a kid, but I'm looking back on it. It's, it's really, really interesting. Right, right. And what you said about relying on technology, like, I like how you mentioned that because I was going to mention that to be perfectly honest with you, but it almost slipped my mind until you reminded me. Now, that's just the thing because with Dot Hack, that was my very first scenario to where sometimes you're just going a little too far with the technology. To where it's like, okay, it's one thing if it's like just a video game that we play on PS4, PS5, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, whatever you may have, on PC, whatever you may have. That's one thing. But then we have the virtual reality goggles, you know, like some models do have it. That's cool, too. Like as long as you know, don't play too much with it. That might strain your eyes, and you might have to be like me, where I have to sometimes wear like these blue light glasses just so the eye strain don't permanently mess up my vision. Um, but then you're talking about this dive virtual reality, like in store online, and believe me, we're gonna have to continue that review where we left off because we talked about Iron Crab, but we just pretty much uh, left that off. But Bruh, like I got some venom for the rest of that series for real. <laughs> but uh that's why to me I feel like Dot Hack, like even though it was a little slow paced and probably I, let's be honest, it is a little dated, but for me, it's the golden standard of what um the the creator was trying to portray because not only was it like our very first uh concept of what would happen if we dive a little too deep into using technology to a point where there are plane crashes computer crashes people fall into uh, comatose states dying and to a point where okay uh i don't need technology that bad (laughs) (laughs) it's that sort of thing it's like it makes you think about that and that's uh, one thing. The other thing is, uh, even though back then we didn't even give it a genre or a label, but let's be honest, Dot Hat pioneered the isekai anime trope. In fact, a lot of uh, YouTubers would go around saying that, yes, Dot Hat is the godfather of isekai anime because even though we know it was about a video game, but it was the first one to convince us that when you are in this game and you're creating a whole different personality in life in this game, you get so lost in the sauce that you kind of forget that it's a game. It was very successful in doing that. With SAO, it's more like um, the first 13 or so. Okay, great. The Minecraft art, okay, great. But then there's like talking about bullshit with fairies and Gun girls and more fairies and knights and it's almost like SAO is trying to transcend Da Hack in a fan service kind of way to me, in my personal opinion. But Da Hack stayed true to what it was trying to portray, and I give it points for that. Like it 
to me, just stay true to what it was trying to portray to where it's like, oh, okay, this is what happens when you get a little too dependent on technology and the effects shows. And they made that very consistent throughout not just Die Hat Sign, but when we talk about Die Hat GU and maybe Die Hat, uh, what was the other one? Ah, oh, shit, I forget. But it's that newer one. They just say that it was the last one, which is kind of bullshit because personally, I think we deserve at least one more Die Hack or at least put the first four Die Hack games on the Switch or something because I'm not paying like $120 up to $200 just to play on PS2. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I agree. I agree. I want like, to go back real, and play like, those games. <laughs> like, bro, like, for real, quarantine is 120 on its own. I'm not doing that. That's enough for two games. I'm not doing that. I don't care. Like, I will emulate it if I have to. I'm not trying to emulate it, but, bro, if I have to play this game, I was like, I will find a way, but, bro, that is not it. Remaster it like you did to you. Just put it in one collection and just throw it on the um, PlayStation and the Switch, the Xbox if you want to, and we're good. But you just gave to you. Uh, why are you making this complicated? Like just, just give us what we want, please, please. <laughs> but uh, speaking of which, let's talk about the games a little bit now. Honestly, with the games, kind of like with the anime, but in a different format, it was a little lather, rinse, and repeat as well to where, let's be honest, like for the most part, it was like you get an email or you go to the player board, you find code words you can use to use to the chaos gate and go to these different dungeons by using the keywords necessary to go to a different sector of the game to do this dungeon crawl to get a treasure. And sometimes you get a real good item and sometimes there's this cutscene that kind of progressed the story. But that's just the thing though. It's like, it's a repeat. So it's like, if you're not a fan of the repetitiveness, you're not gonna have fun with this game. But honestly, I didn't care. Like just, I just thought uh, the story behind it was so interesting. I was like, all right, whatever it takes to just get this story. I was like, I don't care. Like, let me get the items. Let me fight the monsters and all that. Just go through these different dungeons that look awfully similar for some reason. But whatever, whatever it takes to finish the story. (laughs) But uh, then what I like about the game balance is how back then it wasn't like we were being geniuses and we have to magically find exploits within the game. Where it's like, oh, we found a weakness in their armor that the developers didn't think about. No, 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 no. It was very intentional to where the game balanced itself to where enemy weaknesses wasn't designed to be unintentionally exploitable, but that's just how it is to where it's like, you have certain weaknesses like all right you have to have certain equipment equipped onto you and and you use certain spells to do the job now what you have equipped affects what spells you can cast your attributes your abilities so if you put on the wrong equipment those weaknesses will show and then those enemies can overwhelm you so that's just 
kind of balance with the games where uh, the weaknesses of the enemies are fairly known once you, you know, do a analyzation of the enemy. But at the same time, like if you're not prepared to fight against an enemy like that, then your weaknesses you just be your Achilles heel, whatever I'm trying to get at with this. <laughs> but um, Kelly, how do you feel about the games in general? Um, like I said, the 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 best word to use is um, nostalgic. Um, like I said, I feel like it, it's an overplayed word, but it has a lot of sentimentality because, again, it's it's the games that started it all. I mean, obviously, it built all, off of Dot Hack Sign, but it was one of the um, it was one of the kinds of games that I would play over and over again um like spyro and i played monster rancher and everything like that going down back to like playstation and then getting on a playstation 2 games um and i it's also i look back on it with a lot of fond memories as well because dot hack just the series itself is also really related to uh my dad um because i used to get stuck in some places and i would ask my dad to help and it got to the point where I would just sit there and I would watch him play and I'd root for him and stuff like that. And I'd watch him complete the game. And I eventually did it myself uh, when I was a little bit older because trying to play the games when I'm eight years old and trying to defeat Kubia is a little bit difficult. Um, uh, but it was it was a lot of fun because it was one of those kinds of games where you could um, you didn't have to do a lot of what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of grinding. Like you, it, it sure. kind of, the, the, the story kind of lent itself. So you would be like the kind of sufficient level, or you can just do complete overkill and reach, um, I think it's like level 50 or something like that at the end of the first one and a hundred at the second one, something like that, if I remember right. right. And find the best, yeah, right. find the best equipment and everything. So you could, you could do that, but and then come back and do the story as well. It just kind of depends on what you want to prioritize, either the grinding and just defeating so many enemies, or if you wanted to progress with the story. So it could be used um, either or, depending on what kind of uh, player you are. I was much more, uh, when I was younger, I was much more of a kind of play for the story kind of person because trying to mm -hmm. defeat a really difficult boss with all the different um, layouts that there were, the traditional dungeons, I remember the um, ugh, I remember the 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 one dungeon where you go inside, uh, go down below from the field levels. You go down into the dungeon, and it's like made out of flesh. I wasn't a huge fan of those, but I always like <laughs> I always like the when my dad would play those and everything. But they were they were a lot of fun. Um, and there's just a couple of different like mechanics. One of the things that my dad and I also really like. Um, was when you'd have to do like the grunty races. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it was something really silly. And then you'd have to find like the grunty food as well. Um, because they were they're 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 prevalent in their own way and um got hacked to you and uh in the world are too. But in the original world you could actually like race them and like raise your own grunty and so on and so forth. I can't I can't remember for the life of me how you get them, but I still remember all the just the cute little foods that you could feed them. And me and my dad would just say them to each other, piney apple and stuff like that. So it was just really, really cute. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of nostalgia, a lot of um, 
sentimentality. And I've, I've always enjoyed going back and looking at how the, um, each iteration, um, including dot hack sign. And then I think this one's just called the dot hack games cause it's not dot hack GU or anything, but any of the games, uh, infection mutation, so on and so forth. Um, it, it builds on each, uh, it builds on each series or I should say each kind of season and it kind of takes on a life of its own because you can play them separately, but the best way is to kind of like look at the entire story of the world and what goes on and everything. Right. I feel that. I feel that. Now, uh, quick question. Like, because you just mentioned grunts and I miss those things. Like, honestly, like, okay, <laughs> but GU, I like where they're going with grunties and that's cool and all but there was a certain charm to the grunties in the first one and let me tell you like immediately when you said grunties i thought of the one grunty that still rings in my ear to this day i'm talking about that french grunty i call him frenchy uh because i swear to god like whenever you um greet him it's like oh mon ami do you need me i was like Whoa. I know exactly which one you're talking about. The fact that I can't remember that 20 years later, that's how memorable it was to me. Oh, man. Yes, I was like, yes. I was like, see, the little things like that, that's what gets my attention. I was like, yo, that's funny as hell. (laughs) Like, I live for that every time I would uh, visit certain worlds where I'm raising my grunty and then I hear Frenchie's like, oh, mon ami. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I know I had to get a little lighthearted because, honestly, I got to get a little dark with this. So, the Die Hat game, they are set in an alternative timeline of Earth, like I said. But in this game, it is in the year 2010. Now, after a computer virus called Pluto's Kiss crashes nearly every computer in the world, access to the internet is closed to the general public to address the uh, security uh, concerns. And then after two years without internet and online games, you know what the first thing they decided to do? Let's make a video game link it to the internet, and call it the world. Oh, excuse me, the world. Uh, Now, it becomes the most popular online game of all time with over 20 million unique players. And you know what? (sighs) This reminds me of something. Something happened like uh, two years ago. Uh, Certain event happened and then like we were kind of in the dark for a moment. And then next thing you know, as soon as we got it all clear to, you know, assume our normal life, there's just this big boom of people going everywhere, want to do every little shit just because we got little freedom now. Like, ah, I'm trying to think of what the event was, but you know what? Let's just not think too much on it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) After two years on the internet, they decide to launch the world 20 million unique players get on this game, and then shortly before the events portrayed in the Die Hat games, a number of users become comatose as a result of playing the world. And the developers blame their condition on cyber terrorism. So pretty much they kind of like passed the book, like, oh, that's not us. I was like, bro, it's 
it's kind of your fault. Like you should have saw this coming after, you know, uh, virus. Um, have y'all in the dark for like two years, and you didn't think the virus might seep into your game, and like, see, <laughs> Lord, that's like when game developers uh, get pressured into releasing a game, and they're like, okay, we gotta get this game out like soonish before the um, fans start to riot, and then they release the game, and then surprise, surprise. It didn't perform as well as they thought at launch. Looking at you, Cyberpunk. So, yeah. Uh, where was that with this? Oh, yeah. The world was developed by a German program named Harold Horwick. I kind of butchered that name. I'm sorry. Uh, its backstory is based on the epitaph of Twilight, an epic poem by Emma Wyland. And her death inspired Howard to create the game. Now, elements of the poem are coded into the game's programming. Like, that's why you can kind of see, like, uh, this cathedral music, maybe the existence of aura and all that. Like, yeah, that I can kind of see that now. And the hidden purpose of Howard game is to develop the ultimate artificial intelligence, which is capable of making decisions for itself. And to this end, Howard inserted functions into the system which monitor and extract behavioral data from millions of the game's players to aid the AI's learning process. Now, after Howard's death, wait a minute, this sounds like fucking Yui from Sora Online. You see, oh, you see. <sighs> okay, let it go. <laughs> uh, after Howard's death, these pieces of code became black boxes to the current developers who cannot fathom their purpose, yet are critical to the proper functioning of the game. Now, you normally have the main protagonist, Kite, who is a new player whose friend Orca becomes comatose after mysterious circumstances. Uh, Kite is joined by nearly 20 other players in his quest to solve the mystery of the coma victims. Uh, interacting with different characters such as Black Rose, uh, this one dude, uh, Piros, who was like a real cut up character. He's like, Piro, 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 and all that shit. But uh, essentially, they all trying to figure out what's going on with the comatose um, players. And essentially, they get to a point to where uh, two non-human players uh, play a role in the story or seeks to complete her growth into the ultimate AI, while Morgana, an AI who rebels against her task of nurturing Aura as, as the unseen primary antagonist. Uh, yeah, and also there's this one chick, Helba, who's a professional hacker, and Leos, who's a reluctant system administrator, also helping Kite's effort to rescue the coma um, victims and all that. Uh, there's Wiseman, an information broker, Bullmong, the legendary player who seeks to eliminate the source of corruption, uh, and other players. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Mia, Elk, uh, that one cleric looking chick. Uh, Mistral. 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 Yes. Sorry, Mistral. she was one of my, my favorites. She's so cute. Yes, I feel you. <laughs> but yes, uh, there's a whole bunch of play. Like speaking of which, 
Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of the characters. Uh, like, you can go ahead and um, start with Miss Rupa. I'd like to hear some of your favorite characters, Kelly. Um, so, I do like Mistral. She She's not my absolute favorite. Um, I have a soft spot for Pyros as well, because I mm-hmm. love how grand and just so full of himself, and he thinks he has a greater impact on things than he actually does. So I've got a really big soft spot for him. Um, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of all the characters. Uh, sorry, give me a second. Um, oh, I always liked um, I always liked Elk because I always thought he was really sweet because he was always really loyal um, to Mia, and um, Mia is the the one who looks like a cat, but she's got really long ears and stuff like that. I always thought that. Mia and Elk's, um, Mia and Elk's, uh, relationship was a tad interesting, but that's something yeah. that gets ex- more expanded upon in, uh, GU as well, because Elk shows up later in the GU game as somebody different. His name is Entrance, but we'll talk about that when we get to GU. Um, let's <laughs> say, hopefully, and, uh, well, one of the first things that actually started, um, a lot of it got started off was with Orca and he looks a lot like bear from dot hat sign. And I don't think that that's an accident at all because I mean, he's a blade master, but it's also, I think because he paid played such a big uh, part in it, but I, I like a lot of the different, um, a lot of the different characters in the dot hat games, but I always like, um, listening to the voices and stuff like that because the voices of the characters in the dot hat games including gu um are things that i really really enjoy because it matches up with a lot of the other voice actors in anime and stuff like that like johnny and bosch and carrie walgren and stuff like that and stephen j bloom so uh yeah so i i have a i have soft spots for many of the different characters and everything like that but I've, I have some favorites. I have some favorites. There, there are a few that I would tend to choose uh, on my quests whenever I would go, unless you had to pick somebody specific. It's like, I think there were sometimes it's like, you have to choose uh, Black Rose for this one. And then I don't care who else you bring or something like that. But um, And then I would feel bad when I didn't use any of the other characters. So I eventually got them all the way up to the same level eventually. But yeah, yeah. That's, those, those, those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts. I feel you. Uh, here's what I was going to mention. Uh, isn't it funny how we can remember Black Rose a lot more easily than Mimi Q, even though they look pretty much the same, except that uh, Mimi Q had brown hair and Black Rose had pink? Yeah, I've, I, I like Black Rose's... Um, I love her personality because she's really yeah, like... I know that I'm really, really strong and I'm going to show you that I'm strong. I don't really have to, uh, like, she has to prove herself, but it's almost like in a really endearing sort of way. Right. It's like, it's almost like she make herself known in a way that's like, she wants to be strong, but it's like, she's not trying to be really obnoxious, but, you know, uh, how, how can I put this? Like, ah, I'm trying to, like, she's like that toughest nails type attitude. And, yeah, like, she can be a little bit full of herself at times. 
like how she like clashes with Kite, trying to attempt to conceal that she's new to the game. So it's almost like she's trying to pretend that um, she knows what she's doing, but really she's like just as new to it as Kite is. But eventually she does warm up to Kite and vice versa, um, trying to balance out the shortcomings that she may have. And while she's trying to search for a cure for a brother who was in a coma due to the data bug going around. But outside of that, uh, outside the game, she's this high school student and a tennis player. And yeah, like, I want to say I like Black Rose. Like, I don't definitely uh, hate her anyways. Like, like, she's cool. Like, she's definitely a memorable character. Like, she definitely stands out definitely uh, as far as personality and design in a way like uh it does help that the fact that she has pink hair and you know dark skin and it's like okay she definitely stands out and she also has that heavy blade too so yeah like, uh who else that uh i would say is a favorite of mine mm, that's in dot hat sign I guess Balmong is okay. Like, he's, you know, a little, you know, how can I put it? <laughs> oh, Lord. Cocky? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that a little cocky. Like, because, you know, in all fairness, he is this legendary player uh, going referred to as Lord Balmong and Balmong of the Azure's guy. And I was like, well, he kind of earned the title in a way. So it's like one of those high-level players that's well-known around the world. And it's like, it's kind of, um, like, I hate, I, I hope I don't get any backlash, but it is kind of true. But it's like when you have, like, Twitch streamers these days where it's like you have these really successful Twitch streamers and they reached a certain level of success to where it's like, oh, well, you know, I just don't think of myself as on the same level as the average person. I'm, I feel like I'm a little above average, but I'm like, bro, you're just a gamer. Calm down. <laughs> we, I mean, we like that you're good at the game, but aside from that, calm down. You're just about as normal as we are. You just made your money off game. So, like, come on. Like, not knocking you up, like, hey, make your money, but I'm just saying, like, calm down the ego, okay? <laughs> and that's pretty much the same thing with Balmong, where it's like, he earned his fame with his Blade Master character by defeating the game event uh, One Sin, which was thought was unbeatable with his partner Orca, but once he received the title and his white wings, which allows Avatar to flow around and jump higher than the other characters, so you can kind of see why he kind of feels like he's a little arrogant, like because he always comes off as very serious, formal, assertive in his views. Like he has a strict moral code, like he's a fucking paladin. Like he kind of comes off at this like the dude that kind of sticks his nose up at people, and it's kind of hard to uh, warm up to him at first. But it's almost like that's the kind of thing about the hat. And also kind of the problem to where you really don't see any character development like in the main storyline per se. It's like you have to go through these side quests and all that, these uh random out of the way side quests 
to find a character development to where if you're just blazing through the story, then you're probably not going to feel an attachment to the characters versus if you're a completionist and you're like, you try to complete all the side quests and everything before you completely finish the game. And then now you feel more invested in the character because you kind of pieced it together. Like, oh, that's why they the way they are. Okay, it's more forgivable now. That's all it is. Uh, anybody else that I like? Orca is cool. He's all right. Uh, Elk was okay. You know, being a shy wave master that's um, walking around with uh, Mia. I did think uh, Elk and Mia's relationship was pretty cute, too, so I'm not going to lie. But uh, outside of that, mm, I no, no comment after that. Uh, there's Gardenia, who's this quiet, long arm player. I uh, have this romantic, uh, she, she is a romantic, excuse me. Uh, got this love for flowers, uh, which she shares with Kite. So it's almost like that's how they bond over a little bit. And you know what? Speaking of Kite himself, uh, I feel like Kite is like one of those expositional characters, you know, where like, you know, like a flat art character where they don't really have much of a personality but the whole point is that because they're a new player um, they're just as new to the experience as we are so it's almost as if we're experiencing uh, what's happening in the story through their eyes and through their perspective so if it ever comes off as those protagonists like oh what's this what's that what's going on like that's honestly the protagonist's way of um, making us a part of the story in a sense. So that's why when sometimes it just feels like with certain protagonists, if they feel voided of a personality, it's just more like, think of them more of like there are uh, perspective piece in the story. So it's like that exposition that we need to figure out what the hell is going on. So I want to say with Kite, he was just kind of there as a person, so can't dislike him, but I don't remember any character traits that makes him a very memorable character other than like he was just a character that's kind of there. Well, actually, funny enough, the most interesting part about Kite is during GU, but I will explain that in the GU review. <laughs> if you know, you know. But, uh, oh, another interesting thing that I liked about Kite is the data drain thing to where he had, like, this pretty much this bracelet-like thing going on. And then whenever he needs to uh, do, like, a uh, protect break against an enemy, and it's like, okay, this is giant-ass bracelet that pretty much drains their data to a point to where, oh, you're a level 50 monster? Well, how would you feel if I put you right back to level one? <laughs> it's that sort of thing. So it's like one of those bullshit broken thing that you're thinking oh he's a goddamn cheater and I was like no 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 like it's just happenstance and he's just using it to pretty much uh, delete all the viruses and things going on so boy, he's one of those special type characters but he's not being evil with it he just, you know, he just have a unique ability to him that's all it is like, uh, but yes uh, what else about the games that I like? 
the fucking epitaphs. Like, you know, Scape, Enos, Magnus, Tarvos, uh, Fitchell, uh, Gore, uh, Corbinic, um, Magnus, I think. I think I already said Magnus voice, but I almost got them. Uh, but essentially, there's like eight epitaphs, and they're pretty much like these mini bosses uh, compared to Kubia. And it was kind of interesting fighting against them, especially Scape, because you just kind of assumed that you thought he would be like mainly responsible for what's going on, but he kind of was. But it's like more like uh, he and the other epitaphs was like a key to unlocking a power that could defeat Kubia. Because it's pretty much the same thing that's going to happen to you, but in different circumstances. But essentially, those epitaphs serves as major uh, characters, in a sense, towards the progression of defeating Kubia in the end. But, yeah, that's pretty much how I felt about the games in general. Um, did you have anything to add on that, Kelly? Um, I was going to say that I I like the idea of actually having to... I think there are four games in the first um, game series, and so with each one, you fought two. And then, of course, at the end, Kubia actually ended up being the big bad. I think Kubia was the one... Um, I think was, like, the manifestation of what uh, Morgana uh, had made mm. to fight against Aura, if I remember right. Um, mm-hmm. It's Like I said, it's just been a really long time, but... The, the games had this sort of way of still kind of interlinking all of these different characters, even if it was more of like a side character. Like, I mean, there's there was a cast of 20 or so characters that you end up having is uh, getting their member addresses and you can invite them in their party. But of course, there's the core group that we talk, uh, talked about earlier with Helba, Kite, of course, because you play him. And I, I, I agree as well. He's a very... He's very bland, and even though he's the main character, I think, I think you had like somewhat guided um, um, talk options. Like you could say one thing, but it's still going to guide you in a very specific way. And so he was always a really, really kind character, but he was really just kind of flat, almost kind of one-dimensional. And unfortunately, because of the way the um, the way the games were set up, you really couldn't do too much. Um, manipulation isn't the right word, but you couldn't really make him your own kind of character because you had a very specific set way you had to go through the game. Yes, it's an RPG, but in this RPG, there is a story that you have to follow. And um, so, yeah, I would I would say that's, that's about everything uh, for the games, I feel like, because, and I have a special place in my heart for Scaith, um, for yes. reasons we will get into for GU, um, yeah. But hey, I I I also think so too that he almost seemed like he was going to be the. Um, I thought he was the big bad, and then you find out it just says first phase, and you're like, how many other phases are there? And then you find out you have to defeat seven more, and of course they get increasingly difficult, and then you get to Kubia, and then Kubia has a second phase to its fight, like all boss battles do, because you know, fuck you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say I would I would say this about everything I would want to say about the game. Like I said, it's something really cool. Um, if people have the chance to ever play the game, I think they should take advantage of the of the situation. But again, since it is a little bit difficult, since PS2s don't really 
cooperate anymore. I am right there with you with um, revamping it and putting it onto the PS4, PS3, even a PS5. I'd buy a PS5 to play <laughs> to play the original Dot Hat games and feel some sort of uh, sentimentality and stuff like that. But I think that's everything I would I would want to say. I gotcha. And hey, and honestly, like in recent news, didn't they just say that with PlayStation? They were like, oh, well, you know, we're not getting a whole lot of PlayStation Now subscribers, so what if we just combine PlayStation Plus with PlayStation Now and just call it PlayStation Premium? And that uh, way, you can not only play online with your friends, but you get to play these nostalgic titles. And I was like, where is Dot Hack? Exactly. I'm just saying. Just uh. saying. Like, come on. Like, I know at least... As, as soon as you put it on the PlayStation, the Nintendo Switch is literally six months away. That's just a um, that's just a behavioral pattern of this industry to where usually when they put something on the PlayStation or the Xbox first, the Nintendo Switch is like four, five, six months away from that. So come on, Sony. You're dropping the ball here. Like, how are you going to have GU last recode? No problem. But you can't get the original four onto your platform again, like you, uh, like bro, like we're like some people don't want to drop two hundred dollars. Like I don't, I don't know, Kelly. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? Let me just say this. Uh, shout out to Koki guys who and Talos Gundam. They wanted to be on the review but they had things going on uh i do feel you bro uh hopefully y'all be on for the gu review uh shout out to mothra kaiju for her artwork same with kawaii sam uh we also got uh matt king joseph uh region and jen the real breaker on twitch check them out uh we got a whole lot of content creators like my boy, uh, Spider King on YouTube. Check out the Notorious Crew uh, channel on YouTube. And don't forget that we do have our website, zealotsofnerdentertainment.com, where we are doing 3D printed objects. We have blogs. We have our episode, uh, podcast episode, excuse me, uh, on there. We're trying to do a lot of stuff, and a lot more is coming. We are shaping up our Discord server. And I am also thinking about opening up a Patreon for uh, subscriptions. So do look out for that. But until the next episode, when we do review, GU review, uh, we definitely going to get deeper into that. Because honestly, just like what Kelly said, that that's a lot fresher in our memories. Because unlike God Has Signs, like that's when you know, like it transitioned from being a little, let's be honest, melodramatic to fairly emotional. You know, like let's just say there's barely a one-dimensional character in the GU run. Like what? Not at all. Like there's not a dull character in that series. So there's gonna be a lot more to talk about in that one. But until the next episode, you stay nerdy, my friends. Great things are coming, and we are zoning out.